Welcome to the Students of Surgery podcast series, where we shed light on common surgical topics. Welcome back to the Students of Surgery podcast series, and we have Professor Ryan Blumenthal with us today. Senior Specialist in an Associate Professor at the University of Pretoria's Department of Forensic Medicine and also author of his book Autopsy, Life in the Trenches with a Forensic Pathologist from Africa, uh, published by Jonathan Ball Publishers, which he launched in August 2020 and highly recommended non-fiction uh, book. Uh, go find it on the internet or, or in your bookstore. I really do recommend you read it. Welcome back, Ryan. So today we're going to be talking about electropathology. What is electropathology? Electropathology is is massive. Uh, I mean, uh, everything that we do in society as humans, we interact with electricity. I mean, you are listening to us now through an electronic device, and humans come in contact with electricity. You know, whether intentionally or unintentionally. I mean, you know, the, this field is so huge. It, it, I mean, just to give you some topics in electropathology, this goes all the way from tasers to electrical belts to knife fish, which can shock you in the water, electrical eels, to electrocutions due to high power lines, due to cable theft, uh, electrical torture cases, to the average person that gets shocked on uh, while ironing their clothing at home, to electrocution in the bathtub, to accidental, to homicidal, to suicidal electrocutions. So it is such a huge field, electropathology, but you need strong roots, you need basic understanding of electropathology if you're going to deal with an electrocution victim. Maybe we should start by narrowing it down. What is an electrothermal injury? Electrothermal injury in the most basic sense of the term means someone has come into contact with an electrical circuit and becomes frozen or frozen into the circuit. They become part of the circuit. And uh, we, as forensic pathologists, divide these patients up generally into low voltage and high voltage. It's a very contrived um, definition, but our cutoff is a thousand volts. So if it's less than a thousand volts, they're a low voltage electrocution injury. And if they're more than a thousand volts, it's a high voltage electrocution injury. What does the severity of the injury depend on? All right, so if you are going to be frozen into an electrical circuit, the key factor here is time. Um, how long exposure you had to the current. It, it all comes down to Ohm's law. Ohm's law is the basis of the whole of electrocution. So it, it, it's resistance, it's the amount of charge or current, and it's the um, voltage. Now the voltage is not that important. That's what's pushing the current. And the resistance may or may not be important, but what kills you is the amperes, the charge. Um, these, the way I think of it, and um, it's a very simplistic discussion here uh, that I'm going to be giving you but it helps determine the injury and it, and it is so base here it's like not even funny but I want you to think of a huge tunnel with a lot of vicious mice all right and then something is pushing these mice now the thing that is pushing the mice is the volts and the diameter of the tunnel is the resistance but it's the biting mice that injure you and these mice have got one goal in mind, and they want to go to ground. So if you think in terms of that metaphor, you will understand electrothermal injury. So what happens is, say I get frozen into an electrical circuit. I'm touching something. Um, I'm a child that's bitten into a, an insulated wire, or I'm a child that's put my finger into a socket. 
these mites will enter you all right and they just want to go to ground so there will be an entry point and an exit point so when it comes to electrothermal injury you always got to seek the other injury it's very unlikely that you'll just get one injury um, we had actually had a fascinating case where someone was found with an injury on the foot and it worked out this is not an electrothermal injury there's no way that an electrothermal burn can kill you if it's on the foot and it actually turned out to be post-mortem predator injury um, that looked like an electrothermal burn injury um, but you know for electricity to harm you it has to go through the brain or brainstem or heart or breathing muscles so you need to be part of the frozen into the circuit and the current that the mice have to go through your brain brainstem heart or breathing muscles for it to kill you that's a very effective analogy there now that you're talking about ohm's law there's something i've heard about but what is a duels burn all right so the electrothermal burn some people call it a jewel burn right j-o-u-l-e a jewel burn there's also um, uh, what's known as the electrical wire pattern mark so th there's different terms for this used in medical records and medical notes but the jewel burn it looks like a collapsed blister there's melted keratin so if you feel it obviously with your gloved hand it will feel like a calloused blister um, as forensic pathologists we want to make certain that there's a low cost principle so some metallization from the anode or the cathode will be deposited on the surface of the skin. You'll get streaming of basal nuclei. The epidermis will separate from the dermis. And because of the heat and the time for cooking, you get a gas blister. That, so, so it looks like a blister, but there's melting of keratin. And we call this phenomenon a jewel burn. So we actively have to seek these jewel burns out on the hands, um, sometimes on the feet, because in illegal connections, walking through an informal settlement, they may step on an illegal connection with an uninsulated wire. And we may even find the jewel burn like between the toes, even like under the foot of the toes. So jewel burns you actively have to seek out. They look like a callus and, and that is um, an entry point where these mice enter your body. What is the difference between a low voltage and a high voltage electrical burn? All right, so in your medicine career as a doctor, some of the most horrific cases you'll ever see uh, from a trauma point of view would be a high velocity pedestrian vehicle accident or a high voltage electrocution case. A high voltage electrocution case is an, it's a disfigured, burnt, horrific looking uh, patient. Um, they are exposed to extreme voltages and extreme amperes and, and um, these are classically your cable theft cases. And because the voltage is so high, you don't even have to touch that wire. You can have what's known as a spark gap. So you can be within 30 centimeters of an 11 kV wire. That's almost like a ruler away from a high voltage wire. And those mice, the force, the voltage is so strong, it pushes those mice, the amperes, through the air. They jump out through the air, through the spark gap, and you get what's known as crocodile skin injury. So these mice dance on the surface of the body, creating a crocodile skin appearance. And this is a classic high voltage injury. Also high voltage, extreme heat, extreme burns, amputations, um, extreme heat. So it's of the worst cases you will see in your career from a trauma point of view. And the lower voltage burns? Lower voltage, you have to actively seek out. Remember, it's a, it looks like a collapsed blister. 
It's just where the mice enter and look for the grounding injury where the mice exit. So you actively have to seek this out. You won't even find it. Um, and electrocution water, that's where it gets complicated because now where do these mice enter? Because the surface is expanded. So electrocution water is difficult to find entry and exit points. Can you tell us a little bit about electrical cautering? Alright, so as a um, future surgeon, you have to read the manual of your cautery machine. A lot of people just take it for granted um, that they know what an electric cautery machine is, but you have to really understand the dynamics of it. You need to know what monopolar cautery is, dipolar cautery. You need to know that, um, you need, that the machine needs to be earthed. One of the biggest medical legal cases I ever had was a young child that went for a tonsillectomy and then woke up with third degree burns on the back of the knees. And I got taken to court uh, uh, for this case. And they asked me questions like you cannot believe, you know, you, you know, whose fault was this? Is this the theater sister's fault? Is this the surgeon's fault? Is this the people who made the electrocordium machine's fault? Um, how was the patient prepared? Uh, you know, the attachment uh, electrode, was it uh, properly placed? Was there alcohol that dropped and connected with the metal surface of the operating table underneath it? So. Before you use any equipment in medicine, you need to thoroughly understand the equipment, what can go wrong with it, if it's working correctly or not correctly, and you need to understand the principles of cautery. Now, cautery, basically, in very simple layman's language, means that they've bought, okay, you get monopolar and dipolar um, cautery, they've bought the electrodes very close together, and there's a formula that says the closer these electrodes go together, the, the hotter the heat. Um, and it basically is um, an extreme burning heat that, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing else to say except it, it causes fourth degree burns on the body. It's, it's charring, carbonization, it totally burns and uh, eats away tissue. That's how hot that heat is and it's local. So it will close blood vessels and it's used in practice in everyday surgery. I think that is some very sound advice there about knowing what equipment you use and what can go wrong with it. What is an arc blast? All right, so the easiest way to explain arc blast is these mice that have been traveling through this um, tunnel with the extreme force behind them. If for whatever reason that tunnel were to suddenly break, those mice explode out of that tunnel. And um, this was first described by Uman. There's a blast wave around a four meter spark. You actually hear a crack. Um, so there's it's, it's superheated air and you get this blast wave around the spark. But how I came across this in practice was there was a cable theft case. And when I found this victim, his clothing had blasted off uh, there was shrapnel, there was secondary missile formation from copper from the burnt wire. There was a barotrauma component to this electrocution event. So it wasn't just simple frozen into the circuit and electricity. There was an explosion, a pyroplastic explosion as these mice came out of this uh, tunnel that um, had a pressure wave effect to it that fractured bones caused shrapnel injury, uh, blew the clothing off and even exploded onto the wall opposite him on, in the um, 
in, in the, the place where you were receiving the cable. Wow. Would you like to summarize electropathology for us? Look, in practice, it can present in a multiplicity of ways. It could be a taser case, an electrical belt case, an electrical baton case, an electrical torture case. You know, um, someone's microwave. There's been cases of babies in the microwave. I mean, you know, the electrocution can present in a multi because it's so ubiquitous in society. And you need to think: is this direct current? Is it alternating current? So generally, it's alternating current because that's the way our society is wired, our grid. Um, but the way you need to think about it is in terms of my basic metaphor of the mice. So think in terms of entry, think in terms of exit, think in terms of the damage these mice can cause. Because the time you're frozen into the circuit, the more damage these mice can do to you. The more damage these, um, the, the coulomb, the charge, the, the current can do to you. So if you get an injury of the hand and you amputate that hand, the next day you're going to have to go back and amputate a bit further because those mice actually cause more damage than what you thought originally. Thank you very much, Professor Blumenthal. This is another very interesting podcast and good luck with your, your book. Um, if I can say again, Autopsy Life in the Trenches with Forensic Pathologists from Africa. And maybe we'll get another book and another podcast in the future. Thank you. This edition of the Students of Surgery podcast has been produced by TuxFM. Visit www.tuxfm.co.za for young, fresh and relevant content. That was another edition of the Students of Surgery podcast series, where we shed light on common surgical topics.